Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark, episode 170. Happy New Year to everyone, 1st of January 2021. Gee, another year, Mark, another year, New Year's Day, and we have New Year's news for the main topic today. And before we talk about New Year, Mark, and 2021, and we did have a couple of predictions last episode, for those of you who didn't catch it or listen to it, vetgurus.com, go there, listen to it. And then come back to this one. Um, how, did, how was your Christmas, Mark? Christmas was excellent, Brendan. Christmas was outstanding. We um, uh, In New South Wales now, we have a, um, a little bit of a, you know, second wave, I think you'd call it. A cluster. I think they call it a cluster. A yes. cluster. Hang on. Just bear with me. There we go. Yes, a cluster. And um, and so it has been a little bit, um, I don't know, it's a strange thing, Brendan, a, um, a, a strange, um, and I feel a little bit clumsy speaking to a Victorian who spent 17 months in absolute house <laughs> lockdown with uh, ankle bracelets and alarms. Um, yeah, but um, it is, it's, I, I did uh, earlier in the, year have to um travel down to uh sydney and uh um and it, it, it was unnerving to be in that environment it was just uh, uh not not um it didn't feel right it wasn't like dangerous or anything but just the anxiety so i i, I christmas was a little bit uh over on the, edge was it what's the what just uh, on edge my earphones have done the Battery die routine. Keep going, Mark. I can Keep hear talking. you, and our, and our listeners can hear you as well, Mark. Let's so, go, and while you change your headphones, I'll just click on your internal mic. Keep talking, Brent. On the yep, I've got you. You're You've got me. Good. Back. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it was a little bit um, bizarre, a little bit of a downer, was it? Well, it felt. It felt it's an it was a desperately unusual sensation. Um, uh, just um, yeah, just being affected by the the um, is it the right decision? The, the, our local authorities made some changes to in New South Wales made some changes to um, the cluster hotspots, allowing some travel, some not travel, um, and yeah, just felt unnerving, um, just just vaguely unpleasant the whole thing um just unnerving yeah it wasn't unsettling yes well i must admit we had a quite relaxing (laughs) christmas mark and a quite relaxing christmas day and christmas lunch um, which i predicted i think um, last week and that was with my dear um mother-in-law and father-in-law and their family and Annie and the girls, we went there and we had the full-on Christmas lunch there, Mark, um, with several several types of drinks there, Mark, and, of course, the Christmas pudding came out at the end and I always 
I always have a bit of a soft spot for the Christmas pudding and um, end up having at least two servings of it with the citrus sauce, the famous citrus sauce of my mother-in-law. And um, ah, it was good. It was lovely. Um, and, yes, I did sit down in the um, in the lounge room there and um, just rested my eyelids for a short period of time <laughs> um, shortly after that um, as, as the – Sound level increased. Uh, I think my snoring um, commenced um, for probably a fifteen-minute little cat nap there, and um, yeah, it was a good day. Mark. I had a quite a relaxing day, and I over imbibed with food and drink, and uh, did all the things that um, probably you should or shouldn't do on Christmas Day. Um, fortunately, my dear wife was driving, so. Um, she brought me back home, but there were no accidents or I didn't get out of control. So, yeah, it was a good day. What about yours, your actual Christmas dinner or lunch? Did you have a good time? It was a good time. It was a, a um, pleasure to – we had it sort of a bit of a divided arrangement because of the COVID restrictions. We had um, the close family in on Christmas Day um, and, uh, and that was, uh, you know, just as you described, excellent – Outstanding food, wonderful and generous liberal amounts of alcohol, and just wonderful company. Um, and then on Boxing Day, we uh, had intended to um, to uh, to get some family up from Sydney, and there was yes, we will no, we won't. They weren't from any of the hotspots, but in the final analysis, we decided that the risk was too great, and um, none of us enjoyed the thought of uh, exporting, you know, being the headline story in the paper in a couple of weeks when there's an outbreak in regional centres in New South Wales. So uh, we postponed that Boxing Day arrangement with uh, with our friend, with our family in Sydney until a few weeks down the track when things settled down. Right. Okay. Yes. Well, that was very sensible, Mark. Very <laughs> sensible. <laughs> Well, I think we should jump into for our holiday season. Um, you had a bit of a, a review, a, a film review, a well, movie review. It, it is a bit of a, it's more of a film discussion, Brendan, because I think you've seen the same film. And I, I, well, I suppose it's a review. I wanted to um, talk about Tenet, the um, science fiction um, movie. Um, uh, I, I, um, I'd been talking about it with my my children. My uh, younger son Wilson is uh, um, he's seems to be developing a little bit of a I don't know a interest in um, in reviewing movies in in uh, in entertainment. He's always been a bit of a storyteller, so I had a bit of a discussion with him before I saw it, um, and um, and he was very careful not to let me um, you know not to give anything away, but. Uh, he warned me that I might not enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I, I really wanted to, um, uh, being directed by Christopher Nolan and um, being, you know, a, a um, long form, 150 minutes, uh, quite a deal longer than many of the movies we watch, um, and being a complex play on time, I was, I was really up for... Um, for hoping that it would be outstanding, but um, but I don't know that I was a little bit disappointed by it, Brendan. I was, I was, um, it didn't uh, live up to my expectations. What did you think when you watched it? 
Oh, I thought it was bad. <laughs> I was very disappointed, Mark. Yeah, I, I, like you, I was looking forward to it. And as you know, I am a science fiction fan. Um, I thought it was a bit of a hot mess, and I, I don't think it was <laughs> well made. I don't think it was well made. And the dialogue was very muddy. I don't know whether you found that, that um, you had to really concentrate that a lot of the a lot of the um, scenes and the monologues and that, or not even, I didn't really have many monologues, but um, when, when the actors were chatting to each other, I really struggled to hear them at certain points. Uh, so I don't know whether it was a, a got, mess. I've got a bit of a story about that. From what I can understand, there was a little bit of arrogance from the, um, from the, uh, the, the, the um, studio that produced Warner Brothers, who produced the movie, they yes. only sent it out in the form for the IMAX theatres. So it went into other theatres with the IMAX soundtrack um, and um, it didn't work well. The sound was awful and it was very difficult to listen to and that made the movie so much worse because ah. it was so important to understand a lot of the nuance and it oh, it suffered from in my um opinion too much exposition there were too many explanatory discussions um and the story didn't tell itself um as you know this the 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 skill of a director like christopher nolan is to allow the movie to tell the story and i know the story is immensely complex you know, spoiler alert here, time flips back on itself at various stages in the movie and it's a bit hard to follow. But, geez, they took a very difficult thing to explain and then explained it really badly. Badly, yes. I agree totally there. Um, and there's just as complex films out there, Mark, so I don't think that's an excuse just being a complex film that um, it – they they'd struggled to tell the story. I think it was just badly made and, and badly badly implemented generally. So I I very disappointed, Mark, as far as I'm concerned. What was your review? I I've Are you I, gonna give it a score or not? I, I think we should give it a score. I'm only gonna give it about four point three out of ten. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd I'd, I'd struggle to give it a a five out of ten. So yeah, let's stick with four point three for Tenet. Yes, that's a bit sad because um, perhaps somebody wanted a a review of something they could potentially go and see. But no, save your money and go and see something else. It's <laughs> 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 my that. People might not necessarily. We're old, we're old, and um and a bit. Well, I'm not speaking for you here, but a bit slow I am. And so, you know, younger, nimbler minds might roll with the – and particularly if it's seen in its true environment at an IMAX theatre, maybe they will enjoy it much more than we did. They should send us some feedback. But um, Yes, vetgurus at gmail.com. Send us your review or your score out of 10 for Tenet. And, uh, yeah. I still think it's a crap film, Mark. I'm sorry, but I don't think it was a good film. Very disappointing. I have another one that we can talk about next next week or the week after that we briefly spoke about, which I think is um, vastly superior to that film, Mark. It's um. This is the problem. I continually have to chide you because I just you you waft around. You beat around the bushes. I never know what you really <laughs> think, Brendan. <laughs> Well, with that, I'm going to jump into my first news story. Uh, we'll catch up with a few news stories for this 
um, January the 1st edition. And this one's about early big game hunters of the Americas, Mark, were not just male, they were female, researchers um, suggest, which was challenge, it challenges the age-old man, the hunter hypothesis, Mark. And it's in 2018, during excavations at a high-altitude site, in Peru, researchers found an early burial contained a hunting toolkit with projectile points and animal processing tools, and they determined that the hunter was like likely female-based, based on the film's uh, findings of the team's osteologist, Mark. And it'd be good to be an osteologist, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> A bone, a bone collector, a bone collector. And the surprising discovery, according to the article, of an early female hunter burial led to the team to ask whether she was part of a broader pattern of female hunters or merely a one-off. And then they w- looked through published records of previous burials and they found that in of 27 individuals associated with big game hunting over several sites, 11 were female and 15 were males. And the sample was con- sufficient to warrant the conclusion that female participation in early big game hunting was likely non-trivial mark. So there we go. And statistical analysis um, revealed that between 30 and 50% of the hunters in these populations were female, which is in stark contrast to recent hunter-gatherer sort of myth um, and farming, um, where it's decidedly a male activity according to, um, well, according to legend, I suppose they call it these days, don't they? There we go. Well, and and a couple of other thoughts in or, or comments in the article, Mark. While the the research answers an old question about sexual division of labour in human societies, it also raises some new ones. The team now wishes to understand how sexual division of labour and its consequences in different times and places changed among the hunter gatherer population. They're just they're just fishing for more. F- Grants and funds. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, I just, I just like to be out there um, digging up bones in Peru, Mark. I think. Oh, I wouldn't it be that live of the dream? Yeah, um, it's, be- it's. I've got to say though, my little comment on this article is that it's hardly surprising. I've talked to you about the way that um, that uh, uh, Kate, uh, the role that Kate plays in my life many times and i can tell you if we were a family in the stone age kate would be out there telling like right beside me as we were hunting hunting the mammoth telling me what to do no doubt about it she'd be out there doing it you'd be thinking about doing it i think (laughs) exactly right (laughs) now your first story is a pretty bizarre animal story isn't it well, I, there's many things about this story that I love. It's a New Scientist article, um, and the title is Bizarre Dinosaur Had a Mane of Fur and Rods on Its Shoulder. Um, and um, and I just love the story because it's a reprint from uh, the, the uh, well, it's a summary from uh, an article in the Cretaceous Research Journal. I, I of my many subscriptions, I've forgotten to renew my Cretaceous research. Um, <laughs> so I didn't have this uh, article down pat. Um, but the interesting thing about this was some of the research which uh, gave, um, which highlighted, you know, they, they've taken fossils um, and 
this newly identified species of dinosaur had some unusual features in the fossils that they could find. And in particular, what stood out was the long mane of fur uh, down the back and some stiff rod-like structures which projected from its shoulders. Um, the dinosaur lived 110 million years ago, not surprisingly during the Cretaceous period, given the uh, journal which the article was in. Um, and... Um, they found the species while examining slabs of limestone from northeastern Brazil. They took high-res X-ray images of the slab, which revealed the torso of an unknown species of dinosaur. The dinosaur was only 50 centimetres long, Brennan, so I f fairly like my chances if I was alive at this time of catching it. Um, although I'd have to be careful. Be pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Are you making comments about how quick I might be? <laughs> no. <laughs> It looks very speedy. <laughs> uh, peculiarly, um, the researchers identified two rod-like structures that stuck out from each shoulder. These 15-centimetre projections were made of keratin. Um, I don't know how they knew that. I suppose. I don't know how they would find that out. Anyway, it's pretty bizarre. No, I always comment on the, the artist's you um, you, rendering. You are, you are a critic. Of the yes, the artist dinosaur. rendering. They always look beautiful, don't they, these, these animals? And it does have those rods sticking out of its shoulder region. Uh, sorry, Mark, I jumped in there. No, no, I, I, I appreciate your critique. Of, there's been a number of times, um, uh, there's been quite a number of times where uh, fossil fossils have been interpreted in a particular way um, only to later you know, be reviewed in light of new information. So it would be interesting to see whether, you know, whether these relatively straight rods, 15 centimetres long, whether they just stuck out like yellow beacons in the in the rendering. Or whether I like the interpretation from the researcher there, Mark. What did he say about the rods? What was his oh, comment about uh, did, did, did these structures hadn't been totally weird. <laughs> um, the fossils show amazing preservation of structures other than the skeleton, including the decayed remains of guts and body organs, as well as feathers and totally weird long rod-like structures. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, uh, you know, scientist. And, and it doesn't have a cool name. You, you did an excellent job of pronouncing this name before we started, Brendan. Ubirajara Jubatus, meaning, meaning Lord of the Spear. Lord of the Spear. Fantastic. Yeah, Lord of the Spear, even though it's only 15 centimetres long. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, I, reckon um, I often wonder what job we would have had had we not been veterinarians. And um, chief amongst your... There's a whole suite of things you could have done. There's nothing else I could have done, but chief amongst that suite would have been dinosaur artist Brendan Carmel. I thought you were going to say something else, artist there, Mark, but no, um, I don't think so. Somehow, I'd love to be able to draw or paint, but it certainly isn't a skill that I possess. That's for sure. My second news article is a. A little bit of an, a more serious one, but it's um, fascinating, I think. Um, fish give insight on sound sensitivity in autism, Mark. And scientists at the University of Queensland have used zebrafish 
which carry the same genetic mutation as humans with fragile X syndrome and autism and discovered the neural networks and pathways that produce hypersensitivities um, in both species. So, And what they did, the team recorded the brain activity of zebrafish larvae while showing them movies, Mark. See how it ties in with our our review? Yes. Probably not Tenet. or exposing them to bursts of sound. The movies stimulate movement or predators. The reaction to these visual stimuli was the same for fish with fragile X mutations as those without. But when we gave the fish a burst of white noise, said the researchers, there was a dramatic difference in the brain activity in fragile X model fish. So after seeing how the noise radically affected the fish's brain, the team designed a range of different volumes of sound and they found that the fragile X model fish could hear much quieter volumes than the control fish. So um, going on with that, they're, 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 they're then relating this to humans um, and with with um, autism and, and fragile X condition, and deciding um, determining how the neural pathways develop and respond to stimulus, Mark, um, and they see that makes sense with some of these people that um, who have these conditions that they um, you know really don't like lots of noise, do they? Um, and they struggle with sensory overload, I think, um, and perhaps this sort of study um, can help explain how those pathways work and perhaps ways to try and try and help control um, that sort of overload of noise and stimulus, Mark, that they that What they do receive. you think? The, the, one of the things about um, this research into neurodivergent um, uh, uh, minds um, is the is the concept that we're going to, like you just said, that we're going to um, turn them back to normal, and um, and I wonder, like I other in some of the literature I read, there is a, a sense that. Um, neurodivergent people don't want to be cured in some circumstances, that it's often the people around them that want them cured um, and they don't even want to be thought of as needing to be cured. But then I suppose research like this just gives us an extra tool that might help us to manage the the you know the negative effects of their yes if it's something that's uncomfortable yeah. yes or that or that um, is irritating or uncomfortable or even potentially painful then I didn't know anything about fragile X syndrome until I met um, Kate has um, two half brothers and um, when she met her adopted parents uh, her adopted parent her biological parent she was adopted um she met her two um half brothers and they have fragile x syndrome and so um so yeah that was a new thing for me um and it is interesting how they uh, constitute a um you know a, a neurodivergent um uh, circumstance similar to autism yes and this is from another Another journal that you should be reading, Mark, The Brain Magazine. Um, do you subscribe to The Brain Magazine? I do read a few articles in The Brain, and I, I just my only comment about The Brain is that um, is that um, they talk a lot about human brains, but they seem to do a lot of um, experiments on zebrafish. Yes, <laughs> I 
don't know what that means. I don't know the significance of that. Yes. Well, hmm. <laughs> there's a comment for that. Yes. There's, there's no neat segue. But I, I, my, I don't even know what to say about my last topic. Um, you, you would know that um, that uh, I'm. I like to think of myself as a powerful advocate for animal welfare. And so when I became aware of a Kickstarter for um, for a leather replacement for something that didn't involve um, uh, the death of a cow to generate leather, I was interested, Brendan, but I really, really, really still remain a little bit unconvinced by the Apple collection. Now tell me about the Apple collection, Mark. Well, as far as I can tell, the company concerned, um, it's a Kickstarter, they have a process for um, producing faux leather, and at least in the... In the photographs they show, crikey, it looks bloody hell a lot like leather. Um, and um, and they plan to use the process, which depends on apple skins, um, to create a range of um, pet products, uh, particularly leashes and harnesses and poop bags uh, for dogs. <laughs> now... Apple skin poop bag. No, it's just we live in very, very strange times, Brendan. So let me just quickly run through the unparalleled benefits that uh, that the um, the company promotes. Uh, they, it's an Italian company, so they have Italian made quality. There is a so it will it will look fantastic and it will fall apart in six months. I'm not making any comments on that. That's that's for our, that's for my um, Italian relatives. That one. <laughs> um, there's a comfy feel. It is strong and safe. Reduces waste. Reduces animal leather use. Reduces greenhouse gas. Stain resistant, waterproof, and long lasting at least six months. Um, but <laughs> long lasting apple, apple, um, apple, apple skin, skin leather. Um, but geez, Brendan, I, I scrolled down to the. They do look good. I'm looking right now. Actually. The photographer gets a big tick in my book. They've 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 really taken images which make. So, which look ones have you put put down your pledge for, Mark? Well, the 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 two harness leash and poop bag holder set, um, the top of the range. Um, bloody hell! It's two hundred and. Seventy-five US um, Kickstarter uh, Kickstarter price um, is two hundred and seventy-five dollars US for two leads, two harnesses, and two poop bags. I don't ah, crikey, Brendan! It's it does look great, and the leather industry is potentially a very harmful industry, both in the use of chemicals and water pollution and in the necessity for cattle to die and um, large parts of the Amazon to be chopped down in order to farm cattle. This has, you know, maybe it does offer a 
an alternative to those bad things. I don't know that it. I'm 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 still hesitant about how successful it's going to be. What's your thoughts? It's apples and oranges. <laughs> 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 I love them up. You smash them out of the park. <laughs> uh, it, I think that's a great idea. I'd like to. I, I'd, I'd lo- just love to handle one of these products and have a look at them and see how how durable or not they are. They, they look good. They do look very stylish. I must admit. Um, and uh, I could see my greyhounds wearing one of these. And if they didn't like it, they could eat it, couldn't they? And I'd be non non toxic. Uh, if they did chew their own, um, uh, maybe they should make them into a series of um, chew toys as well. Was my thought, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, all all their all their um, reasoning about the reason why they're making the product is certainly valid, isn't it? And um, gee, there's some there's some people who've got some minds that think out of the box, don't they, Mark? And um, making dog collars, leashes, harnesses and poop bag holders, as they call them, out of um, apple skins is um, is certainly one of them, isn't it? Um, and I like their motto. They, they call it eco-chic, chic, eco-chic, um, style meets sustainability, Mark. <laughs> so there we go. Um, Ticks in every box for your average Melbourne hipster. Yes. Oh, and I'm just scrolling through it. It proven to be stronger than traditional leather. Jeez. And there's a um, there is a um, I've clicked on the uh, test report um, that was done in um, Wales, yeah. Mark, and uh, description of article: leather dog collars. Said Apple. Leather and leather. Um, oh, I don't know. It's too. It just says. What does I, it I say? think we're going to have to for the podcast. Actually, we, we might have to purchase one of these. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm on it. You're on to it. I'm you're, on to you, it. You're the moment the money in the, in this um, in this duo. So yes, um, perhaps we should just order two two basic um, collars or something or other. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to it and report back to, I think it's due to be delivered in January um, 2021, so shortly um, delivered anywhere in the world. So, yes, I think we'll get on to it, Mark. So I think that's our last um, news story there, a bit of a bizarre one, the Apple Collection, a leather reinvented, and we'll link to all of these articles at vetgurus.com, so that's a place to go. Um, we'll be back to our more traditional, um, uh, <laughs> unusual pets uh, veterinary topics in the coming weeks of the new year, I assume, Brendan. Absolutely, and there's a few people that we have potential um, to line up for interviews, um, and I'm looking forward to that, Mark. We need to chat about those off off air. Um, people within the veterinary industry. And uh, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, whether it's the Apple collection or not, um, vetgurus at gmail.com is a place to go. Um, and I think with that, we need to I think the good again thing- reiterate Happy New Year yeah. to all our listeners, Mark. I think this... Um- you know, it does mark. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the artificial imposition of dates and you know, marking certain things at certain times, birthdays and whatever. Every day is important, but there seems to be something special about um, ending 2020 
um, starting 2021. And so from us here at The Vet Gurus, I am sending out our most sincere wishes that uh, all of us enjoy the coming 365 days much more than we have the past. And I hope the vaccines and the the um, healthcare behaviours around the world mean that we can look back and and uh, at the end of this year at our uh, concluding 2021 podcast, we'll be talking about how we got on top of COVID and how much better a place the world is. So um, with that, Happy New Year to everyone. And I think that's the outro man walking through the door. Well said, Mark. Well said. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thank you.